Welcome, Craig, to the show. Thank you, Andy. Thank you to listeners. Hello. So glad you could join me. I think it's fair to say that many South Africans assume that when it comes to categories of vehicles involved in the most serious of road accidents, minibus taxis must surely top the list. But your analysis reveals that that is not the case, right? 100% correct. Uh, they definitely are up there among them, but mm. by, by no means the top. So what's at the top? So if you look at the, the research in this, this particular scenario of all the, the crashes that we did, these were, you just bear in mind, these were the serious cases Very that we serious did where, ones, where yeah. people were killed. Yes. Um, the light delivery vehicles, in other words, your normal, you know, uh, uh, buckies as we would refer to them yeah. generically, um, is definitely the highest. We, we had some 366 vehicles involved. Sure. And then light motor vehicles being number one, just your general daily light motor normal vehicle. Normal car that vehicles. you Correct. and I would drive, yeah. Correct, 688 vehicles. Oh, that's, that's massive. That was something like 70% or something of your... Yeah, correct. Okay. Yeah. And then, of course, you know, a lot of us like to speak among ourselves about the terrible state of our roads in some parts of the country and how that must be contributing to the death toll on the roads, etc. But the by far the um, largest proportion of accidents were caused by human factors, you revealed in your report, such as... Well, you, you say overtaking on a blind rise or in a curve. I mean, how many times do we see that when we're on a freeway? Um, and the mo- in a nutshell, your, your, your analysis revealed that most driver deaths involved head-on or partial head-on collisions of passenger cars, all the buckies traveling in opposite direction on freeways um, in KZN, Gauteng or the Eastern Cape between 4 and 8 in the afternoon, evening with people aged between 20 and 39 behind the wheel. Um, so that's a lot of sobering information and just that one summary there. But what about um, the the causes, those human factors? What else, um, other than the overtaking on a blind rise or in a curve, what other forms of human behavior were driving those stats, those those awful smashes? Yeah, br- brilliant summary. Uh, thank you for that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, so yeah, many hours of work into one paragraph. It's very um, overgeneralizing, but yeah, I couldn't resist. No, that's perfect. You're absolutely spot on with that. Yeah, the, the, the issue of human factors has also been broadly pu- published in lots of different uh, um, research papers. It's a very wide spectrum factor. I mean, just as an example for that, you know, someone would say their tire failed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when you go and look at the tire, you'll see, oh, it's been plugged and it's been previously repaired. You know, technically, you could argue that's a human factor because that's human negligence. You shouldn't yes. be plugging and repairing yes. tires. But in general, the human factor is, is blatant. Uh, things that we do, you know, uh, smoking while we're driving, eating while we're driving, Texting. and you know, now the famous one, the cell phones. Oh uh, gosh, I saw it driving into the studio. This car weaving, <laughs> literally weaving, and you yeah, pass yeah. them, and there's the, there's the cell, the head bob. It's like, I just, you know, it, it's a, it's a huge red flag for me. I can't bear it. Yeah, so the human factor is quite broad, it, uh, but but generally it encompasses all of those things that that you would normally associate, you know, just logically thinking. Yeah. You know, even things like uh, uh, driving under the influence is a human factor. Even uh, medication is, is is a big problem as well, especially with on on not only in our country, a lot of the countries, but in South Africa, very prevalent. We we have a very high rate of things like diabetes, things like eye problems, uh, and lots of medical issues. 
Yes. Okay, I never thought of that. Okay, so it's the obvious one would be alcohol as well as just the recklessness. But, I mean, alcohol does fuel a lot of the recklessness as we discovered um, with the hard lockdown and no alcohol, what the, what the hospitals didn't see in those Absolutely. months. Absolutely. Quite, quite um, sobering, excuse the pun. Yeah. I might give you some stats on that as well. We oh. did a little bit of analysis on that for the yes. local KZN area. And yes. uh, I don't have them offhand, but uh, maybe that's for a future consideration of yours. It was a very interesting analysis yeah, on, on the reduction because of the lockdown. Sure, yeah. I think I think we didn't expect those t- the, the the statistics that we saw were you, you it's hard to talk your way out of them frankly. So after the human factor ones that's uh 24% of those more than 650 accidents were mechanical reasons were were at the root of them. So those are those would be what brake failures, uh steering issues, what that kind of tires, that kind of thing. Just bear in, bear in mind that some of these issues that are, are categorized into mechanical as well, uh, at, at the stage of getting that result from, from the analysis of the case, uh, it may end up turning up down later down the line that that was in fact not the case. I want to talk but, to you about that in a second, yes, because that's a huge correct. part of the work that you do. So after 24% mechanical, then we're down to... A dramatic drop in percentage, 3.4% only road issues, Correct. and then 2.8% environmental. What are you talking about there? That would be a kudu jumping in the road or something. What would be environmental? Well, that could be classified environment, but in general, we, what we're talking about environment, let's things like weather. Uh, oh, okay. Weather, I'm being too creative. Rain. Right. <laughs> okay. All right. So, and then this is what I want to get to, the, the, the work of yours that has always fascinated me so much, and that is as fraud. So, in your single, um, in other words, it's a single vehicle accident. There's no collision with another vehicle. Um so they they would the causes the stated causes would be excessive speed or allegations. I found the word allegations that you use in your report of tire failure or run off road um, to be quite interesting because obviously um, you don't believe in your and your and your forensic investigation in many cases when you're called in by insurers who are faced with a claim of someone you know that uh, one of the insured that says you know they had um, this is the reason why their car landed up. Um, you know, in the ditch or whatever on the side of the road, um, you get pulled in by the insurer. What, briefly, because I can see that our time is galloping on, what, um, without giving away too many trade secrets, what can you share about some of those cases, the many cases that you investigate that turn out to be complete fraud where the person has completely faked an accident scene but not well enough to be, uh, not to be found out by you? Absolutely. Uh, we do a lot of those. So, you know, in general, those would not be related to this kind of research. No, um, but I can't resist getting you to talk about that a little bit. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Well, it, it does. It does in the greater scheme of things in terms of the accidents, the statistics that we look at. It still falls under whether it would be a human factor, mechanical road or environment. Mm. And as you quite correctly say, when the insurers do ask us to look at these cases, um, those four factors are sometimes things that come up as well. I mean, as an example, uh, a common thing that we'd say we would see is that uh, the insurer would say, well, uh, the road was wet and I accidentally lost control. And then when we look at the factors, we see that it's not. So we would look at the weather on the day, we would do research. You know, it, it, he, and, and a common one is, is the famous one, the, the, the animal in the road, the dog ran across the road. Okay. 
Um, so very often, I mean, we cannot disprove that factor on its own. But when we look at other technical things in terms of the nature of the damages to the a impact, vehicle, yes. the impact, the orientation, those kinds of things, you know, and now, especially nowadays, and what most people are starting to understand is that we've got telemetry on board the vehicles and we download those now and it will often tell us whether there was an occupant in the seat, whether they were wearing a seatbelt, whether they were actually pushing the accelerator or not. So we can look at all mm. those factors. So lie at your peril. <laughs> Absolutely. That's and and we, we, we proud ourselves, as, as, do, as do a lot of the insurance companies, and catching these people out that do this. And you'd be quite shocked at how prevalent it is. I probably wouldn't, but most people might. <laughs> if, if anybody's not going to be, I'm sure it would not be you. <laughs> yeah. Just getting back to your report and, and really the point of it. Um, just share very briefly with us what the the context of it was. Why did you undertake this massive project and what do you hope will come from it? Look, at the end of the day, I mean, uh, we all do a job and, and, and we all try and fulfill our, our jobs, uh, you know, our career path exactly as you do as well. One of the things that you always try to do as, as a societal thing is to give back. Mm. At, the end, at the end of the day, sitting with all these statistics, all these cases that we do, what we've tried to do is just do a summary of this and, and say, guys, you know, this is the scenario we're sitting with. Uh, this is not the only research paper like this. There are others that, that are of a similar ilk to this, but mm. this particular one obviously being a, a, an absolute hands-on case is, is, is absolutely empirical. I mean, if, if if one wants to argue these factors, you can argue them, you know, a percentage this way or that way, and you can do far greater detail here. But at the end of the day, the results speak for themselves, and the results guard on what should be, be done, done by by Department of Transport nationally, provincially, by, you know, the policing services, you know, uh, even transport companies, uh, fleet managers, they should look at something like this and say, well, you know, if we know that human factors are a big issue and and mechanicals a big issue or road and environment's an issue, let's look at those things and see how we can amend and correct. A lot of what you suggested in the dying minutes, I'm going to run through some of them and leave you to do the others. I was most fascinated about what you felt would reduce this carnage. So, of course, the obvious one, enforcement of seatbelt use, which we very seldom see. Big one, complete, no pussyfooting around regulating, but completely ban the transporting of passengers on the back of buckies, which we see so often on on our roads because those poor guys, no seatbelts, they get flung out and and, uh, it's just horrific. Um, Strict enforcement of laws regarding seatbelt use, as I've said, primarily fining drivers to ensure that they insist that all passengers wear seatbelts. Total ban, as I said, of the guys in the back of the buggy. Compulsory rumble strips. We see some of those and they're very effective. Um, if you fall asleep or lose concentration or f- mm, texting, um, and you're saying that should be rolled out nationwide. But what about you speak about because so many of these accidents happen where the cars stray onto oncoming traffic? You talk about mechanical related, um, you know, some kind of barrier. What do you mean there? Are you talking about freeways only where they do, you, would, you just physically can't cross over onto the other side? Quite, quite correct. So okay. if you look at, for instance, the, the N1 or the, I think it's R21, they R24 it. in yes. Johannesburg, and, and you look at the N3 in Durban, all they've done is they've put in a solid concrete barrier between the two high-speed major uh, alternative lanes. I understand cost-effectiveness mm. and, and, and uh, time and budgets and those kinds of things. These things can't be done immediately. But the statistics have consistently shown it's on the big major arterial roads and the sub-arterials, uh, freeways, and if you want 
want to reduce accidents, the quickest method to do that immediately just, is just stop the high-speed vehicles from hitting mm. each other. Correct. Fascinating. Quite and then correct. your last one, we're out of time, but your last one, which I really support, a three or even five-year compulsory reinspection of vehicles by means of a roadworthy inspection test rather than just when you buy the vehicle and then that's it, you're left. Maybe you get stopped by someone to look at your tires or your, you know, but essentially that's it and that's why we see these death traps trundling along on the freeway. So from your lips, from your PC to the authorities' ears, let's hope that finally at least some of those things start to happen. Craig Proctor Parker, you're a legend. Thank you for the work you do and thank you so much for making time for us this evening. Absolute pleasure. Thank you, Wendy. Pleasure to your listeners.